from the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Bill George. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Bring Gun, John Swindle, Bill George, and Diego. He's right over there. It's a beautiful, steamy Saturday morning. If you haven't had the the honor of walking outside and starting your sweat, uh, now would be a good time to do that. Go out there and enjoy yourself and uh, have a good, good day doing it because it's perfect for it. The hurricane of all hurricanes came through, and it just sucked everything out of here. Well, I don't know. Uh, we all seem to have survived Hel's Elsa. Oh, dude, Elsa? if I heard it, if I've heard it once this week, I've heard it four or five times this week. They're like, man, what? A, and I, and you guys know what I went through with Michael at the woods, and yeah. I'm just, I just sat back because I'm hearing these people saying. Oh man, it was bad. I walked outside and my front yard looked like a lake and I had one or two limbs laying on the ground and blah 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 and I'm just like sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, okay. I watched a cat five go through and went up there and watched it take oak trees the size of Braden's car and just pick them up and toss them around. Whip them around like <laughs> tumbleweeds. And you're telling me about a few broke limbs in your front yeah, yard. Yeah, it was uh it wasn't that bad, but uh of course we have water on the ground now. We have water on the ground. The ponds are filling back up. Gators and snakes are looking for high ground. Cockroaches are coming into your house now. It's going to be uh, just like old old times all over again. For have me, you, for me, it's the red ants. They they oh are gosh. red ants or fire ants. Fire ants. Yeah. They, there is no dry ground. And if there is, they're finding it. And they're they're coming up to every high land. Anything that sticks up. They're coming up to get in. Yeah, those uh, rafting ones, I used to dread them. If you're wading through any type of water in the rafts of fire ants that, uh, you know, they all clump up together and you're, like, just pushing through like it's a bunch of weeds and the next thing you know, uh, you're, no, no, you're no. stripping clothes and everything I got, else. I got one worse than that. Oh, no. I turned around. I was on the front of the airboat with G2. And we were way, probably 16, 17 miles back through the rough stuff. And he turned around, ran me through a whole, they were all up in a bush. And that bush, when he hit it, it all came on me. And the entire boat was full of ants to the point where you used your hand. You picked up handfuls of ants to start getting them out of the boat. Fire ants? Fire ants. Yeah, I'd have just burned the boat. I just went ahead and torched the whole thing, got it over it's with. It's like there's a dead alligator down there. Just bite on yeah, him. But yeah, yeah, eat on that guy, man. You don't know. It's they all good. They were eating me up. They were, I mean. I hate them. No, oh, my god. There's a dead alligator down there. Oh, wait, it's already European mounted. Great. Yeah, really. It's skin and bones <laughs> it, by the time you get they, back. They had all gotten up in that bush. Get out of that the, water. It, there, there was no ground at all. We were, we were running you know, flooded timber. Well, I know that a lot of people feel that, uh, as you did with the fire ants in your lap, uh, our buddy Tom Free and all those guys down in Venetian Isles and Shore Acres uh, are experiencing the uh, the effects of the red tide bloom that are now pushing uh, a lot of dead fish up into the canals. It's going to kill us well, all. As a kid who grew up on the canal not far from this here building, uh, I can tell you that uh, when you live on the end of a canal or one that doesn't drain and have opens openings on both ends, it no takes flow. it takes a long time for those suckers to rot to the point where they start sinking again, and it is uh, or for the other ones nasty. to swim in there and take care of them. Well, the, I mean, you know, we did get a nice bloom of blue crabs and things that, like well, that. That's what I was going to say you yeah. should have had a good blue yeah, crab season. We did. We had a great one, but uh, you know, having to live with. And I'll say this again. I mean, when I was a kid, I think it was in the uh, late 80s. I don't want to say a kid. I mean, like, you know, a working teenager. Uh, 
80s, somewhere around there, uh, mid-late 80s, we had that really, 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 really bad red tide. And it was it seemed to coincide right after a good freeze. And, I mean, we had dead tarpon back in the canals. And so, and then those, Take you know, a while. Rodney did do the old, get your damn boat, get some rope on that thing, and drag that thing down behind the dog track. Get those well, things out of here, man. They're stinking it, up. Every, I mean, you got a dead body literally and floating back and forth through the canals. And that's what strikes me is everybody's. I'm hearing is complaining, and they all want the government to come in here and take care of it. Well, they are. They've already taken yeah. out, what, 15 tons or yeah. so of uh, dead fish? But what fish? happened to the bunch of, get the neighborhood kids, give them a bunch of nets, haul them out? Pay them. Sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're in the canals, my my mother, my stepmother at the time that my dad was married to, Whenever we had dead fish like that, guess who was in charge of scooping them all out and putting them in the garden? As me and my brother. So we'd be out there with a big old net, scooping them Great up. Great compost. And she's like, bring those things over here. She'd have it all furrowed, ready to go, and holes and everything, and millions, hundreds of dead fish right there. And, and you wondered why you had the best tomatoes. Dude, and they, were, yeah. they used them. Uh, she would, like, get those out of there and put them in the garden. Put them in the garden. Put them in the garden. And just let her deal with the fish bones. So it was all good. But I know that a lot of people are experiencing, you know, the uh, the effects of red tide, uh, itchy eyes, watery nose, eyes, whatever, respiratory problems and things like that, attributing it to Elsa. We were all hoping that it would suck everything out of the bay. But uh, I think that the storm passed so dang quickly that it really didn't affect uh, the bay as much as we wanted it to. And it seemed like the with the westerly wind, it kind of pushed everything back in. And Push, uh, I think I think there was a lot of pushing that stuff, you know, into Venetian into, coffee pot, yeah. all those areas over there around Whedon and <clears throat> back in the neighborhoods. Like I said, those are all fingers. Uh, all those canals back there. Uh, there's a, there's a few of them that go from one side to the other, but there's a lot of them that are just dead end ones. And so those fish get down there and they just, they just well, sit there and rot, man. It's and now y'all can tell me, and I don't know if y'all have heard this, but I had somebody, I asked them this week about that. And they said that with the amount of rain that we got, because I know we always joke about the freshwater and freshwater kills the red tide and stuff like that. And there was a person that I know kind of works in biology that said that, that that all the rain would kill a lot of it and make it sink but i tell you i think inland we got pounded with rain pretty good oh yeah but i don't know how as if tampa bay got as much rain we didn't two it, two or three inches yeah. over here in pinellas it wasn't all that bad the way those bands were wrapping in they were wrapping in more in the well, they were fast so well, that's what I mean. Uh, well, no, they were like fast for you guys over here. I know for us, it was they ran it. It was solid when it started at it. What what time do you think it started at your house? I don't know. I was asleep. Uh, it's because I was up and down with the girls and stuff like that. And I mean, I know twelve twelve thirty. It was still hammering pretty hard. And when I woke back up at four, it was still. I went. To, I got home. I went to bed. I, I literally uh, stayed up for about thirty minutes, and then went and made myself go to bed so that I could get up at around one o'clock. And so I stayed up from one o'clock till around three o'clock, mm -hmm. just to you know keep an eye on things while everybody was still asleep. You know, in case of the oak tree in the front yard decides to uproot or anything else like that, so I wouldn't be scrambling. Or you hear the old train horn coming. Yeah, or anything like that. Somebody had to be up, so I, you know, I volunteered to take first watch, and so I uh, stayed up literally till about 4 o'clock in the morning and uh, just watched the rains come sweeping through every once in a while. But the thing is, is you had, like, around south of Sarasota, around those areas, those guys got, like, you know, anywhere from six to nine inches of rain. They got they got hammered we pretty got good. Hammered. We got yeah. hammered. But now you think about that. You think about all the retirees that live down in that area, you know, around the Sarasota area south of, and then, of course, all those uh, man-made um, subdivisions and things back there, you know, and uh, – there's a lot of golf courses and fertilized lawns and all that stuff. And nine inches of water there, 
leads to me to believe that there is a huge amount of runoff that comes out of there. Slightly. That, that's going to end up in the, you know, the system down there around Sarasota. I thought if anything would happen, the bloom would, if it gets take, takes hold down there again, they're going to be, they're going to be hit pretty hard. But I think since they got the big flush, they got the big flush that we all wanted here in Tampa Bay. Yeah. You know, we wanted to get rid of Rice, uh, Christman's uh, sewage waste and everything else like that all at one time and push it out and let it get out in the Gulf of Mexico and do what it does. You know what I mean? But we'll, see we'll, we'll talk more about it right after break. Yeah, we're going to do that. We are the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden, Jonathan, Bill in the studio with you this morning for uh, the remainder of the morning till 10 o'clock. If you want to hang out with us, give us a call. 888-404-1010. It's 888 do we have tickets to give away later? Yes, we do. We do have tickets to Last give away later. Last Saturday. Oh, boy. Get ready. We're brought to you by Brandon Ford. Stay there. We'll be here. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors on this steamy, beautiful Saturday morning. We appreciate you getting up early and hanging out with us this morning. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about the uh, the effects of the uh, hurricane mixed in with the red tightish uh, event that happened uh, this past week or so. Uh, an event that a lot of people, I will say this, I was proud of you for being uh, extremely prepared. It seemed like a lot of people... Uh, first storm of the season, usually that's what happens is everybody kind of goes out there and I hope you didn't just go out there and, uh, uh, you know, blow it all on on the first storm. But I always look at it this way. If you um, if you have the uh, uh, supplies now, you didn't use them all, you know, save them. We are just getting started, you know, so. Well, for me, I did a lot of picking up a loose stuff that I've had laying around. Uh, there's, I, I still had not put away a lot of things from Turkey camp, believe it or not. Uh, so that I had that, I got all that put up, but for me, the biggest thing that I did, I started charging 12 volt batteries because if I turn around and something happened in the middle of the night, I don't get out there in the storm and start running a generator, but I had the 12 volt batteries. I had an inverter. I had an oscillative fan that was going to get me through till the next day. And as I went to bed, I lowered all the ACs way low. Yeah. Get so, the house nice and cool. Get the house nice and cool. Ice box. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, those are all things that you learn from experience. You it's know, like, when you lose power, you want, let's start at 73 degrees and then warm up to the door day. shut. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. uh, I did the same thing. We all get there and, uh, you know, picked up all the stuff we could get out in the backyard and all that kind of stuff just to be ready. And then everything else, uh, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And mostly mostly we prepare for uh, not having electricity. Yes. You know, having the ability to, uh, for most for the most part, water will stay on. Uh, it seems like, you know, they the city does a good job of being able to handle water. But if you're on a well system or something like that, you have to have power. So... Uh, just having uh, frozen bottles of water down in the bottom of your deep freezer, uh, things like that. Uh, not only does it give you a water supply, but it also you know keeps everything inside there you know nice and cold and frozen and all that kind of good stuff. So that's basically all we did is just get ready for the power outages. And for me, I live rural. There's there's not much out my way, so I'm one of the last ones they're going to worry about getting back online. Right. So that that's where I. Spent well, most of my time worrying about is the electricity. And as I joke with people all the time, too, and tell them two things. Look into a Generac generator. Those are wonderful to have. And talk to your local electrician and see about getting your box wired up to where you can plug yes. the generator in. And that's straight and, into it. Yeah. And that's one thing we've looked at. And Money well spent. Is As now we we're got the house paid off, we turn around and... Now we're looking at putting in one of those whole house generators. Just it gives me a little bit of comfort when my I'm gone. I like to go out, run, do my things. That in the event that something happens, 
she's not out there trying to get a heavy big generator hooked up to the, to the system. The best part about it, and I tell this to people all the time, and you can break it. We do this all the time with everything. You can break it down however you want to break it down. But like what you just said right there, when you've got a f- freezers that are full of meat and it just other things that you need, it's re- it, it, it it's not that expensive. Trust me. <laughs> and mama's happy. Believe me. In the long run. That's priceless. <laughs> in the long run, I, it's, it's one of those things. My sister, you know, her husband, knowing the people that she knows and all that kind of good stuff, they uh, – you know, I told oh, yeah, you they I got remember that, you telling me about that. That was awesome. They got that big, giant uh, oil filled generator, and it literally runs, you know, five houses in the neighborhood. I mean, they all kind of chipped in and got it and built a barn around it and put a, you know, five or 6,000-gallon diesel tank next to it or whatever it is, and, dude, they could run for, you know, months Self-sustaining. on that bad Self-sustaining. So, I mean, you don't have to go that far, but, uh, you know, the – the thing that always gets me is, uh, you know, you the media, you know, they got to have somebody out there shoveling, uh, showing all these poor people out there getting their sandbags ready and all that kind of good stuff. And I learned a long time ago, there's this stuff out there that was invented quite a few years ago that replaces all sandbags that you'll ever need. It's called expanding foam. If you just put that in the doorway. And it cleans up a lot faster. You put that in the doorway. If you really know that it's going to get in your house or it's going to get in there and it's going to be a foot high or so, then go up three feet on the door and know you're going to have to climb in and out of the window because uh, basically it's going to glue it shut for the time being, but nothing that a pocket knife won't uh, cut through and, and get in there. But And it ain't uh, coming through. And, it, and it's not coming through. And uh, I don't know why people don't do that more often. Uh, but, I, but you can't raise the level of your yard with uh, expanding foam. No, you can't. But you can turn around and be. But you're not going to stop water. I no. mean, there, there's, there's no way that. Uh, I mean, uh, everybody's seen the infamous, you know, Missouri flood where the guy, you know, built the berm around his house and it looked like New Orleans. <laughs> you know, where he's got, uh, you know, this the levee giant, system. Yeah, levee system around his house, and it's a lake, and there's a house with grass and everything in the middle of it. It's rare that you find somebody that has the ability in the front end loader to be able to do that. Yeah. So, um, you know. To me, uh, two or three cans of expanding foam, and you know, uh, you do your garage door, the one that goes out to the garage, you go to the front door, do your back door, and what else can you do? Unless it gets up to where it's over the windows, but by then you're pooched anyway. So uh, there's not much you can do. I got to get, I got to definitely say it while I can say it to Glenn and all the county workers because for the last two months, they've been out there, uh, Digging ditches, cleaning out the ditches and everything else. And all I could say is, good job, boys. Yeah, yeah. My, my street didn't flood uh, this year at all in it. So, you know, but it was only two or three inches Thanks. of rain. So, and we caught it at a decent tide. So nothing was backed yeah. up here in Pinellas County. You know, all the canals and stuff weren't full. So wow. it wasn't too bad. But on the downside of it, of course, uh, it seems that the uh, red tide has been exacerbated uh, when it comes to inside Tampa Bay. I know that the TV crews love to see, you know, the front end loaders and bobcats out on the beaches trying to keep the uh, tourist population happy while they're here. Um, you know, when it comes to, like I said, shore acres of Venetian Isles, you're kind of like on your own. because <laughs> <laughs> They don't come out there and clean that up. Yeah. Uh, when they're talking about, you know, the news made this big, uh, deal about, you know, the 15 tons of, of fish that they've removed. And then you hear the number, it's like, well, I estimate that's around 25,000 fish. And I'm thinking, man, that doesn't seem like a lot of fish. You know, 25,000 fish doesn't sound like much when you see these Let's, giant trawlers out in the Gulf of Mexico they, they, pulling. They have the same people estimating as they do on swamp people where that thing is humongous alligator. Yeah, it's a, a 10-footer. And throw that guy just picks them up and throws them yeah. in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> a vicious 10, 11, 12-footer, it's, it's but, a monster. But in addition to pushing fish around, those storms can move things around that you, you might not realize. Crab traps may not be where the the fishermen oh, left yeah. them. Yeah, sandbars can move. Oh well, yeah, you, you know you turn around, you're used to running. You think you can run wide open. Well, guess what? Yeah, 
you may have a sandbar in a place you didn't have a sandbar before. Or a, uh, a dock or a upside-down jet ski or, uh, you know, something else that uh, attached from, detached away from somebody's dock. I know that uh, a couple of hurricanes uh, for a while there, we had uh, jet skis and boats and, uh, you know, back in the day, the uh, windsurfing boards and all that stuff when it was popular and paddle boards and, you know, floating around out in Tampa Bay, people picking them up. Um, and the other thing is wildlife. That's one of the things that, you know, I was I was jokingly saying, uh, but like cockroaches, you know, you start seeing more cockroaches in your house, and you're like, where in the heck are these guys coming from? And you're like, well, they're coming from the yard. Dry you know, ground. It's, it's nice and dry and comfortable. You in live in Florida. Where else are they going to go? But as we said, fire ants, snakes, moccasins, rattlers, alligators, raccoons, possums, all those things, they're all looking for high ground, too. So, uh, you know, don't be shocked and surprised on the amount of uh, critters that are going to be showing up on people's back porches. I turn around. We have been completely dry at the house. Dry, no, no water in the ditches, no water in the pond, no water anywhere for, for quite a while. Then all of a sudden we get two weeks of rain and this storm and I watched a bird pull one of those armored catfish out of the out of the little oh, pond yeah. there. And so it's like, oh my gosh, that thing is inside of two weeks. Because we're we don't live near a river or anything. That thing managed to find its way up there. So Yeah, they're out there. I've seen it in my street before. I was like, no, these things are living in the sewers out here? What in the heck? We've pulled walking catfish out of the shop parking lot. I don't know how many times. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they get there, but they get there. You know, if there's uh, sewage water or whatever it is, they call them walking catfish for a reason. And <laughs> they can stay out and go. Flip yeah. it, flip it, flip it right down the street. It's uh, So there'll be a lot of those creatures running around and all that stuff. Just, uh, you know, be aware of. It's kind of like Bill George says, crab traps move, so do critters. And so when you were mowing your lawn last weekend and you go out there to mow it today, there might be a few little pygmies out there or some other things, you know, down in that six inches of grass <laughs> that you didn't get to mow before the hurricane. Oh, my gosh. So yes. it's uh, one of those things. Uh, speaking of grass, with the rainy season, with this coming on, uh, this would be the time to get out there and start doing your food plot if you haven't done it yet. It'd be a perfect time if you're going to go out there and throw handfuls of no plow uh, when the ground is yeah. saturated mm. and ready to go. Uh, it's <laughs> if moist. You could see the ground. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, even if you have grass and weeds growing there, doing yourself a favor, uh, going out and buying a couple of bags of no plow and throwing it in there, those oats and things like that will take root down in between the grass and uh, you'll get browsing and things like that for your for your critters if that's what you want to well, do. That's. I turned around. I was waiting for a little bit of rain to start, so that I could turn around and put a uh, my food pot in. I had I had the ground all tilled up, sitting there just waiting. We went from getting no rain to being flooded. Planting a duck, sure. <laughs> yeah. So so as soon as it dries out a little bit, <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's the thing you always have to wait yeah, for. Let, let's just say that I uh, had a, a plan for certain somebody in here to plant some dove plots and all that, and right now those dove plots are duck holes. So sure, you know, <laughs> some Japanese millet. Wait, uh, waiting birds are now filled in where the uh, where the millet should be growing, but uh, this time of year it's one of those hit or miss. We're starting to get into that pattern where things are going to develop in the interior and start moving towards the coast. At least, you know, hopefully that's what we're going to get back into for a while until another storm decides to come visit. No. But uh, so you got to kind of time it. I mean, you really do. And uh, a lot of seed gets washed away every year because, as Bill George would have found out, he gets out there and plants it up there and gets it going. And then all of a sudden it's under four inches of water. Well, it's not so much that it's underwater. It's just mush, you know? Right. If I go start putting a tractor in there, it sinks eight, 10 inches. Cause I tilled this, it up good. This is one of Colts Packers, uh, pretty handy piece of equipment to have. Yes. Yes. And that's when you also say, thank God we live in Florida and it's not red clay. Cause then you, that tractor, we'll pull that thing out in November. Just yeah. leave it there. Yeah. Wait till the ground gets a little harder. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We're brought to you by Brandon Ford. Here we go.
Turn your microphone on. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, how you doing? It is the uh, Big and Wild uh, Outdoors. Come on, rookie. Yeah, I know. It's one of those things where uh, you got to get back in the swing of things. Uh, we got tickets to give away for the uh, Open Season Sportsman's Expo that's going to be happening out in the uh, Lakeland area coming up in July. If you would like to attend, if you want to, you can be caller number four right now, and we'll give you a pair of tickets to go and hang out whenever day you want to go hang out. It's open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so you can get out there and uh, have a good old time out there with everybody, including us. Well, I think we're going to be out there broadcasting live. It goes from July 23rd through the 25th, correct? Yes, sir. And uh, that way you can get out there any one of those days and have yourself a good time and go see some of the new products out there. A pair of tickets will take your name and all that kind of stuff, put you on the uh, will call list at the front door. So you don't have to worry about uh, tickets in the mail and all that kind of good stuff. It'll be nice and easy. You can uh, just show up and tell them and, who you are. And, and get my your stuff. apologies ahead of time if you get to meet a two hundred and sixty-five pound walking zombie. That would be me. Oh well, it's nice to know that that's going to be there. Uh, <laughs> it's at the uh, the uh, Lakeland Center out there. Mm. What do they call that thing now? RP funding. Yeah, there you go. The RP diggy diggy out there, yeah. and so uh, it's, it's ma- and as a matter of fact, that's why I was asking you before the. Before the show started, do is there anything uh, left in Louisiana that needs to be picked up? Seeing as I'm going to see our raging Cajun this week to pick up a trailer load of feeders. I didn't leave nothing behind except money. What is he going to be coming out oh, this yeah. year? Oh yeah, yeah, he's going to be out there. Well, I know you're. That's part be of out the there. attraction. What are you talking about? Well, I, I know you're going to be out there. Of course, GMB Gator Gear is going to be there as well. Everybody's going to be out there hanging out and. Uh, if you want to come by and say hi, shake hands, and throw stuff at us, it's all good. You can do that. I, um, one of our winners, uh, John, I spoke to him briefly yesterday, and he was like, man, I'm, I'm going to come out there and see you guys. It's good to see you. I haven't seen you in forever. Remember, John, he used to come in and bring us those uh, honey Cuban sandwiches he's got from his super secret uh, Cuban place over there in Tampa. And uh, he's like, you want guys want me to bring you a few of those Cubans? And I was like, no, nah, man, you ain't got to do all that uh, unless you want to. You know, it's one of those things. <laughs> no, we're not he, asking for He anything. called me about it, and I waved him. I'm like, I said, Mr. John, I appreciate it. But yeah, no, uh, but, <laughs> but some devil crabs. Devil I mean, crabs would be good. Sure. I'll, I'll never say goodbye no, or a bad nah, thing to nah, Yeah, fix the say. I mean, just saying, you know. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it's going to be happening out there. And if you uh, would like to go, I think. We already got a winner. Okay. Well, there you go. Rick? Is that what it says? Rick? Yes, sir. Rick, Rick uh, won himself a pair of tickets. That's good. And uh, we'll give some more away uh, next hour and then the hour after that as well. So if you miss your opportunity, don't work out, don't freak out, pay, and all that kind of stuff. Pay attention. This is the last Saturday. Is it? Why? It's not it's next it's, Saturday, is it? No. no. It's the 23rd through the 25th. But okay. Next, next got me Saturday. Panicked. Next, next Saturday. Saturday. After the show, I'll be at G5. Oh, you'll be out there for the Gator Seminar out out there. Well, the lake's all nice and full. If you'd like to get out there and do an alligator wrestling uh, demonstration or anything, how to properly jump on and lose a limb. Well, there's been a few of that lately, haven't there? Wasn't there a lady attacked? Well, you got to go swimming in the pond. And luckily, there's no gators in the pond right now. But if you bring one, that's, you know, you can go wrestle him out there. That's legal, right? Jonathan was saying there was a, a lady uh, who just lost her life just recently. That was there? like a week ago, wasn't well, it? This, this past week. Yeah. That, that was swimming in some pond somewhere. Retention pond. Yeah, that's In ours. her neighborhood. That's a bad idea. What, that, which I don't know. And, and that is the exact reason why a retention pond a lot of times now, if the state puts up a retention pond, they put up a six-foot fence with bob wire to keep you out. Yeah, well. And it's like. Really? I think it was a neighborhood uh, retention pond, like in a complex or, a, you know, subdivision or something oh, like yeah. that. And, uh, you know. Well, I, and I told, I laughed. I told Bill, we were riding, I was riding in the car with Lori and the girls and Ava and Allie both, which I guess should make me feel good as a parent, were like, why in the world are you swimming in a retention pond when there's alligators moving everywhere? Yeah, Mr. Bill yeah. would be mad. Your kids are raised yeah. here. They know yeah. that stuff, and you I, know? It, and, and they do. Even if there was no alligator there last week or last month or last year, 
this time of year, especially when the water levels change. Oh, yeah. They're, they're going everywhere. Sure. Yeah, man. It's easy cruising then. It's not so hard. They don't have to walk through the woods for five miles. Now huh. they just get into a little creek and slide along until they find a nice big body of water, well, hang out there for a week or two. And and it's like I was telling him. Allie even said it. She goes, uh, she's like, well, you always told me you never walk around a water, you know, water like that and everything else. And it just – it's like we tried to explain to her. She's like, well, I don't understand. Why did that alligator attack that lady? I said, honey, I said nine times out of ten, and I know Bill said it a million times, you get a lot of those alligators like that that, like you say, too, the, oh, look, let's throw them some marshmallows. Let's do this. Let's do that. It's cool to have the pet, alli- the, the pet air quotes, alligator. Yeah. So you can show your and, uh, relatives when they come down, you know, to visit. But, let me go show you old Joe. He's out yeah. here off and the dock they every look day. At you, they look at you like I, like I explained to Allie. They look at you as a food source. Well, I also explained it to my children. I said, you may be as tall as you are standing on land, but when you get into the water, your head's sticking out of the water, <laughs> you and you're basically a duck. I mean, you know, your head and uh, you know the arm is kind of thrashing around a little bit. To an alligator, that looks like either something that's wounded or something I need to go check out. Uh, you know, you're out there doing the Australian crawl like a professional, like an Olympiad, and all that gator sees is your head and the arm come out every once in a while. It doesn't I'm see a six-foot person swimming around out here, so I ain't too worried about you. It sees a duck going through there that's obviously not swimming very well, so I need to go check this thing out. And as they get over there. Like a shark does, I mean, they're that, going to go up there and they're going to test the, it. That is how they catch stuff at the water's edge. They turn exactly. around. It, 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 that's just the way they are designed. It's it, it's the way it is. And I understand and I feel for the, the woman and their family and things like but, that. But if you've lived here longer than a week, seriously, your neighbors, your coworkers, anybody like that should have warned you but about, I, uh, you know, swimming in a retention well, and pond. The, see, and the sad part about it is, is... I told Bill this. I think the lady's a res, you know, was a lady that she was born and raised here. And I mean, and don't get me wrong, you know, I can, it's like Bill said, I used to work for a company when I did my, had my fence business and all that stuff and did exactly what you're talking about to where we would put chain link and bob wire and stuff like that up around the retention ponds at these, the, uh, you know, at these shopping centers and, and things of that nature. And a lot of it, I mean, and you hate to be this way, but a lot of it's just like what you said. You've got homeless people that'll go out there and yep. use them, take. I mean, use it as a place they, to they, take a bath. And there's they, they are they they turn around. You know, there was a gentleman a while back in Sarasota, I do believe it was, who was bathing, and the alligator came up and got his third leg. You know, yeah, and and caused him some injury, and he managed to get out, and he goes to doctor's office there and they wouldn't even let him in he's bleeding all over the place and, and they wouldn't even treat him and an alligator bite just even getting bit is is not a good thing oh, you're, no. you're going to be under a lot of uh <laughs> a regiment of antibiotics and things like that they're going to be looking for septus and you know all the other good things that, that live inside of an alligator's rotting well, mouth so you we joke about it but i mean that's one thing all of us know a bunch of the swamp people guys like you're saying yeah and that's one thing that people always ask me all the time. They're like, is that really real? Is I'm like, what do you mean is re- what really real? Like, well, they get bit by an alligator. Is it worse after the bite than it is the actual bite? And I'm like, yeah. That's why they <laughs> carry Clorox on their boats. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously. I mean, the, the thing is, they have some diseases that are in bacteria that are very resistant to the normal antibiotics that we would use and so if you are ever bit by an alligator you need to tell them that you were bit by an alligator and one you're going to end up being seen by some law enforcement officer doing an interview on you to find out why you were bit but uh you'll turn turn around and be treated with some different drugs uh g2 when he was bit he was on an iv drip for forever i mean it he'd be having to drive down the road Sitting there with an IV drip on. I've well, got, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it takes what it, it takes. It, it takes what it takes. It, you but get that's the good stuff. It, he ended up being tested positive for that bacteria, and 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 you just you just never know. Well, 
and it goes back to, I mean, it goes back to training. I know if this woman, if she was born and raised here, she knew better. But and and the sad part is, is uh, we've all done it. I mean, I, I've swam in, in places where you look back on it and you kind of, after you get out in your, uh, you know, in your fruit of the looms, uh, you know, because it was a hot yeah. day and you decided to go swim for a while. And as you're going back to the truck and you're drying off with your t-shirt, you look across the pond and you see this, you know, ten footer lay on the bank and you go. Where the hell has that guy been the whole time? Has he been there the whole time? Has he been there the whole time? But, but I rather Where did he come from? A, I'd rather swim in a pond than a, a swimming pool myself. Well, I, you know. And then, of course, uh, if you watch the news or the media, uh, you know, with climate change, we're going to have even more and more shark attacks because, you know, the sharks are on the move. They're everywhere. What sharks? I sharks. thought we were wiping them out. That was five years ago, Jonathan. Yeah. Come on, man. I mean, there's not going to be a shark left. We're, by the way, let's not forget that Bermuda and half the West Coast is already supposed to be under five feet of water. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're good. All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We're brought to you by our good friends over at Brandon Ford. Go check them out today if you need a new car or vehicle. Brooksy will probably be there hanging out. He's waiting on you. Go see him today. Welcome back, everybody. It's Big and Wild Outdoors. Brayden, Jonathan, Bill, George, and Diego hanging out with you this morning in the studio. Uh, during the break, we were talking a little bit about the uh, the you know the red tide. Of course, it's all over the news and everything else. And oh, and it is Shark uh, Week. And uh, yeah, they got that going on. And then uh, I don't know. I I just I don't know if it's because I've gotten older or whatever it is, or I you know don't trust the media or whatever you want to call it. But I find myself turning into that guy who screams at his TV an awful lot if I turn on the news or anything like that. Thank God for me, TV. But anyway. Um, I'm not the only one. Going through this many, many times in my lifetime being here, I didn't move here from Wisconsin. I didn't move here from uh, Minnesota or and uh, you know become a, a, a guide or a captain uh, within five weeks and then you know start fishing Tampa Bay or anything like that. And uh, so I've lived my life. Uh, on the water, growing up here, I was on a canal behind the dog track over off of Riviera Bay when there was not a house between uh, my neighborhood and Tampa Bay. Until you got to Shore Acres, there was no houses. There were no houses uh, across from Wheaton Island or Rio Vista or Caya Costa or any of those places like that. There were none. And so I've experienced more than one red tide in my life here, uh, swam in it. Uh, water skied in it, hydroslided in it, fished in it, uh, you know, all that stuff. You know, went around uh, poking giant dead red tarpon, uh, you know, uh, bloated up and bleeding all over the place. Red I mean, tarpon? Yeah, you know, bleeding, you know, they oh. split open and all that stuff. So, um, I thought we had a new species. And then, uh, then I remember what happened the following year, and we made a joke about it, but it's true. Um, as Jonathan pointed out when we were talking about it off the break, it's amazing. Yes, it's a disastrous thing. Yes, uh, a lot of guides and captains and people's fisheries and things like that will be affected, their livelihoods. But for other people, their livelihoods are going to improve. We'll probably have a better bumper crop of shrimp. We'll probably have a better season for blue crab. Uh, yes, uh, we'll have sharks back in Tampa Bay like they used to be in the normalcy days. You know, Jonathan was telling me, you know, that a lot of guides and captains are saying they've seen more sharks this year down in Boca Grande than they've seen in years. And I said, so you're telling me everything's back to normal, the way it used to be when I was a kid fishing down there. I mean, you literally, when you hooked a tarpon, you literally, the first thing that your entered your mind was, yeah, the first thing you did was not, I got to fight this fish and get it in here uh, because I want to get my picture and get it up on uh, YouTube or anything. Your first thought was, I got to get it up here as close to the boat as possible before something eats it. 
And, uh, you know, we went away from that for a while, <clears throat> whether it be because sharks were being overfished or because there were changes in the water or whatever thing you want a stipulation you would put on it. When I was a kid, or a young man, when I was a teenager driving around Weedon Island, it was nothing for me and Gino to go out there and that piece of crap Sears Game Fisher and catch 40 or 50 black tips in a day. Literally, I mean, they did, were all over the flats. Did you everywhere? Have, did you have the fifteen horsepower on it? Uh, I think he had a twenty. I think he started with a fifteen and then we, uh, bumped up to a we twenty. Had the, we had the game fisher with a fifteen on it, and man, as kids, it would fly. We we were everywhere. Yeah, the uh, bay was our playground. Oh yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Riviera Bay and 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 the backside of Weedon and the other side of Wheeling, we owned that as kids. So, I mean, we there was no other houses, no other boats, no nothing. And Gino and I would go out there. I had a four-aught pen on some big, giant fiberglass rod that I got at a pawn shop or something. And we'd go out there and put a mullet fillet on. were tired. Oh, my gosh. We, we'd go out there with four mullet, and you cut it up into six pieces or whatever, and guaranteed you were going to catch a shark on each one of those pieces of mullet that you threw out there. And there were sharks everywhere. From bonnet heads to hammerheads to black tips to uh, sand shark. I mean, they were everywhere. Stingrays, I mean, 150, 80 pounds. I mean, they were ginormous doormats that were out there uh, swimming around. Blue crabs everywhere. Horseshoe crabs everywhere. All that kind of stuff. And they were dumping sewage at the end of 62nd Avenue so fast that they looked like they were draining 1,000 Olympic pools at one time. So, you know, what changed? Well, you know, you can blame it on whatever you want to blame it on. But when I saw Red Tide, every time Red Tide would end, it seemed to be a banner year for shrimp, blue crabs, all the other creatures that go out there. Sharks. Uh, we seem to catch more baby uh, uh, hammerheads out there after a, after a Red Tide type th- situation. There's crap out there eating that stuff, man. It's a golden opportunity for them to go out there and just I'm get sorry. fat. I'm sorry, there's no scientific data to support that. Well, whatever. <laughs> I, I can tell you this much. You throw a dead body out there, you throw something dead out in Tampa Bay, and uh, it's going to be... It'll get took care of. <laughs> as I used to tell them, I tell my children when they're out in the Gulf of Mexico, I said, do you realize that as long as you're out here in this water, you're actually slowly being eaten away as you're out here swimming? There are little microscopic creatures that are swimming around here taking a chunk out of you as you swim. As you enjoy and pee in the water and do whatever it is. Your dead skin and everything else, yeah. You are being eaten from the moment you step into the water. Seriously. I mean, sorry. It's just the way it is. I don't have a protective slime over my body. I don't have something to keep those things away. I didn't evolve or... Uh, developed to be swimming out there, uh, you know, protected by the elements and the things that live in the water. They're out there eating you at the moment you get in the water. Yes, I know it's refreshing to know. No. And if you die well, out there, but you have, get but eaten too. how many people like? And I say this all the time, and my mother says this a lot too. But I agree with her. How many times have you had wounds on your legs or your arms or something like that, and getting in salt water? to me, has helped, and it's like what you're saying. There's a lot of different microorganisms and stuff like that that they're going to eat away the dead skin. They're going to take a, a lot of that stuff off, and it's going to help the situation. And then we have people dying. Of, then there's fle- now bacteria. there's flesh-eating bacteria. I mean, that's <laughs> it's like... But that's it's like that's the red. Always been flesh eaten. Well, yeah, exactly. There always has, and you know, I don't know how many. I'm, I got scars all over my feet uh, from oyster bars and broken bottles and whatever it is. Because we we didn't wear shoes. We were out there walking the flats. We didn't have shoes on. How can you feel a blue crab under your feet if you don't have sh- oh, if you don't have shoes gosh. on? So if you're out there crabbing, you want to be barefooted. I know it sounds weird, but, you know, you want to be able to go, hop, there he is. Where's he at? Okay, there you go. I got him. And and then that way when you slide your foot across the grass and you feel that familiar slime feel of a stingray, you kind of know to step back, and these things all do that. Shuffle, shuffle. You know, I know it's a bad thing, and I know that a lot of people are upset about the whole, uh, you know, piney point and all that stuff like that. And, yes, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. So we just have to move on and uh, see what you can do in the future to stop that kind of stuff. And then we have to hope for the best when it comes to the uh, to the fishery. 
it will recover. It will be back. But if you go and you read social media, uh, you read some of these things that people are writing on there, it, it's the end of the world. You know, we did all this, as Carlos pointed out many, many times on this show, all this hard work, all these years of being shut down, all this stuff is gone to what? It ain't gone to waste. Well, but in... in if they'd open it up sooner, people would be catching here, that uh, trout or whatever it is that you now see floating, you know, in Venetian Isles. Well, or, and here's to the flip side of that, and it's like what we said, like you said we were talking about, like I said to you, it's funny how, you know, God works in mysterious ways and Mother Nature is kind of cyclical to where it's like I tell people about the, the deer diseases and a lot of the other stuff. I mean, to me, you're put in a position to where you got to man, like we always say, you got to manage things. And if you're not going to manage it, God's going to manage it. So, so what you're saying is the, the if good the population's Lord- too, but there's too much capacity or too many so the good lord thought we had feed. we had too many fish in tampa bay no <laughs> no hey if there's too many mouths to feed and you got to have yeah. balance there's going to get balance is going to be brought one way or another it will Not be my red tide i'm just saying balance is going to be brought one way or another red, That's tide the way is, I look at red tide is here for a reason the same reason mosquitoes hey, are here for a reason you. so I, mean, I don't understand the reason for the mosquito well you know it's still I, uh, I have yet to find a mosquito or tick where a beneficial thing is from either one of those two. Well, you got to look at the long run. It's the number one man killer in the entire world. So uh, obviously, it has a reason to be here. Maybe it's. Uh, I think God just had to give the control. devil. Something. Maybe it's population yeah. control, or just to annoy the crap out of you when you're trying to enjoy a nice pork sandwich on the back porch. Well, one but of the I, two. But but and it's like we're saying. I mean, it's just to me that's that's my way of looking at things. To where is either you're going to take care of it, or he's going to take care of it. Well, I look at it this way. We can call it what you want to. Mosquitoes might be here for population control, but it seems like uh, uh, over the past week, it seems that uh, population control is being taken care of by other individuals. Uh, 126 people shot in Chicago, 96 shot in New York over the past week. None of them, believe it or not, actually shot by a legal owner or a police officer. Not one. So uh, just so you know, Population control is being handled by other people, apparently. Yeah. At least in certain areas of the country. I'm sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, but in Chicago, is it illegal to own a handgun in in, in Cook County in Chicago? No. I, I don't know. Nope. Just know some people that went to a uh, archery shoot up there and they had to uh, mine their P's and Q's with their concealed weapons permits and everything else. Does that mean that they were carrying it legally up there? Because no. I don't think it's reciprocal when it no. comes to uh, Cook That's County and Chicago. That's what I'm saying Chicago. is that they had to uh, leave, leave certain things at home that, you know. Yeah, that's what I thought. I remember, I think we went through the process of what it takes to actually get a concealed weapons permit in the uh, city of Chicago. And it's not something you get done in a week. It usually takes years. Literally. You know, multiple years to be able to... Uh, to be able to get to the point to where you could actually even get a uh, concealed weapons permit. So uh, it just shocks me that that many people have uh, been uh, taken out over the course of a week in a, in a city that supposedly has no guns. It's just amazing to me. <laughs> it's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of like the people who jump in a retention pond and swim around out there thinking there's not any alligators out there. Mm. Well... There's people who have plenty of guns in Chicago. Do you think? There's people who have plenty of guns, and they're they're just they're just exercising their Second Amendment right against somebody else. I got you. Well, <laughs> hey, uh, I'm waiting for the hey, hey. I, I don't know if they hey. started off by defending themselves. Oh, sure. Maybe okay. the other guy brought a knife to a gunfight. Well, that 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 you know. I that don't happens. know. Yeah, I I don't know. All I know is what's been reported in the media. So there you go. It's All I know is is over time things turn around and settle out. Just like with red tide. Just with like with dead tide. Just like maybe it's a little karma. Everybody sat there and didn't want anything open just because we might get a red tide again and da 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 da. Well, guess what? Maybe you you wished it upon us. 
You think it's karma related? Maybe Seriously? it's karma oh, related. Okay. Maybe it's karma. I, I believe in Jesus. You believe in Buddha. Whatever. I, I you, guess. You, you, <laughs> we're going to let you keep some red uh, fish and trout, and you get red tide, too. I, you know, I, I they got a lot of people that are thinking the same way you do. You got the naysayers that are saying, see, it should have been opened a lot earlier and we would have been able to keep these fish mm-hmm. and this, that, and the other thing. And as Carlos pointed out, you have more fish, you have red tide, you have more dead fish and uh, dead fish that we. That's like uh, I said, you got well, you, I, the carrying capacity is overloaded. Yeah, so guess what? You over- coddled them for three years and now all you did was create more dead fish. It's not over carrying capacity, but. I would be very interested to see some analysis on what your percentages of of different species are, either by quantity or weight or something like that, to see what species. Because a lot of times it's not everything that you think that we're trying to protect is what's out there dead. It's a lot of other stuff that, mm-hmm. you know. Seems like a lot of bait fish. Well, and my, my thing with the red tide is, though, and I look at this, and you could speak to this being from Louisiana. How many times have you heard about the oil spills and everything else? And I mean, literally within weeks after they have a spill, the fishing is just, it's like it never even put a dent in it. You know. Here's a fun fact oil is seeping out of the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico every day. Every day. Before a man stuck one piece of pipe down in it. Car balls were all over Galveston. Yes. So don't. It's out there every single day. And it comes from the earth, so it's natural and it's okay. Organic. It's organic. There you go. We're going to take a break. Top of the hour. Hour two is right around the corner. Stay with us. We'll be right back.